Yeah, I, I grew up in this church. I, I, most of you I know, I recognize a lot of faces. There's quite a few faces I don't recognize. I was thinking, I was thinking, um, yeah, I might be, or the older people might, like the, the, um, the yeah, I know. No, this is where I'm going. I was looking around and saying a lot of the old timers probably know me, but then I looked around again and I was like, I'm, I might be one of the old timers. That's what I, what I feel like now. Uh, yeah, so um, I enjoyed being in Mr. Maddish's Sunday school class. Um, he, he took just about all of my sermon, so that was great. So, Ray, Ray, if you tell, uh, tell Royce, maybe he should get together with Mr. Maddish before next week just to make sure that. Uh, <laughs> No, it's going to be enough, enough, enough different about uh, my sermon than Mr. Maddish's, but most of you weren't in his, so it won't matter to you, but though if you were in Mr. Maddish's Sunday school class, then you'll see some of the similarities, but I kind of go in a, in a little bit different direction. Um, why don't you open your Bibles to uh, Exodus chapter 33. We're going to just start there, just read a couple verses, um, and, uh, and then we're going to move around towards the... Uh, towards the end of the, the message. Exodus 33, and I want to read verses 16 to 18. And we'll start there. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for, that, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Um, so there's something special about God's people, and it's covered in that verse, something that makes God's people unique from all other, uh, obviously, uh, this is Moses, God talking to Moses, so God's people in that day, the Israelites, they were unique from all the other people uh, of the, the world at that time. God's people today are also unique in a special way. It says in that verse, I'm not going to go over it, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but, you know, if you want to be distracted from me, focus on that. Look for, look for what makes God's people special from that verse and unique. Uh, and then we're going to go on and we'll come back to it. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that uh, I know we teach, uh, we're going to be a grandpa. I'm going to be a grandpa. She's not going to be a grandpa. Um, I'm going to be a grandpa in like two months. And I know when you, whenever we're raising our kids, uh, we teach them independence, Right. I know my daughter's going to be looking for the day when the baby can feed itself, when the baby can uh, bathe itself. And then as the, the baby will get, will get older, I know when we, we still have a teenager, and, we, and we're thankful that, that he can drive himself places. We don't have to usher him around. We're, we're trying to build independence in our children, and we want them to grow up and be mature and not have to depend on us for everything. Uh, of course, uh, now we have our older son will be mar getting married in December. I don't know if any, everybody knew that he was engaged, but he's getting married in December, and uh, we hardly ever hear from him, and he feels like he's too independent. You know, I, I understand, but I'm proud of him that he is independent. Uh, that's, independence is, is kind of that attitude or, or trait that we, that we hold pretty high, not just as Americans, but as humans in general. Like I said, everybody's, everybody wants their baby to grow up and, and be mature and, and learn how to do things on their own and, and uh, not have to be so dependent on their parents. So as adults, you, you probably know where this is going. Um, we are trained growing up, we're trained to be independent, 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 and then when we become mature Christians, 
we have to like force ourselves to be dependent back on God, right? And it's, it's a struggle for us. We have to be retaught, right? Because we were in our natural state. We were dependent as babies. But now as we're grown up, we, be, we are supposed to be, become dependent again. But what should, we, what should we be dependent on? And that's a good question. Um, I, I like to preach for, or I, I prefer to teach kids, kids, kids' sermons, preach to little kids. And I, one of my favorite books to preach from is, um, or teach from, for, I don't preach to kids, I teach them, is the book of Judges. And if you remember in the first chapter of Judges, God gives commands to all of his people, all the different tribes are, had their own uh, land, their own area that they have to go and conquer. And if you remember, the first tribe that was given was Judah. Does anyone, well, I'm not going to say, but you, maybe you know what Judah did. The first thing Judah did, they didn't go by themselves, they asked Simeon for help. Uh, we don't need to go look at that story again, you probably know it. If you go forward in the book of Judges to um, uh, Barak, is that his name? Barak? Not Barak, Barak. Yeah, he says, uh, the prophetess Deborah told him, no, God wants you to go and help the Israelites or uh, deliver the Israelites from whatever, it doesn't matter what nation it was that they were to be delivered from. And what was Barak's response? He said, uh, I, I'll go, but only if you go with me. He needed help. Was it wrong for Barak to need help? Was it wrong for him to need help? But who did he go for for, to, for help? He went to Deborah. Wasn't there anyone better that could have helped Barak? Who did jo- Judah go to for help? They went, he went to Simeon. Couldn't there anyone better have helped Maybe you're thinking, you know who they should have gone to for help, right? They should have gone directly to the one who called them to go. Deborah didn't call Barak. God called Barak through Deborah. He should have gone to God for help. So, yet, dependence is a good thing for a Christian, but who do we depend on? Uh, You're still in Exodus chapter 33. We're going to see God's people and their dependence. I see updates happening on the screen back there, but not here. It's distracting me. That's okay. I'll get over it. Uh, Exodus 33. Look at verse 1 and 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, uh, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Perizzite, the and the Hittite, I skipped the Hittite, the Hittite and the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite. And it says, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So God promises, he, he's, he's given them promises, and he's like, I promised you this land, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to help you through it. All right? I'm go, we're, you're going to go on your journey. This is their first trip through the, through the wilderness. And when you get to the promised land, I'm going to send an angel. Actually, the angel will be with you the whole time. Not only will I send this angel to escort you, all right, but this angel is going to be victorious. He says the angel is going to all these other uh, tribes or peoples that are inhabiting the land are going to be kicked out, and this angel is going to help. Angels are, uh, and this is why I'm sending Mr. Mash's Sunday school class. He talked a little bit about angels, and so he knows what the, uh, probably where this is going because he studied also. <laughs> Didn't study my notes, though. Next time. Uh, yeah, so an angel is going to help. Uh, there, I, I remember when I was a kid, okay, which was quite a while ago, 
angels was a big deal. Like there was TV shows about angels. I'm not going to mention any. I, I know, to, if you know how old I am, you probably know the, th the shows that I'm talking about. All right. Uh, I don't know if angels are as popular now as they were back then. Not just in, in our Baptist or this, this type of Christian circles, but maybe in different uh, religious sects, we'll say. They might still focus on angels. We don't, I, I don't see that people putting focus on angels like they do now. But angels do have a special purpose in God's order of things. And here he promises to send an angel with the Israelites to help them. Uh, that's going to be very helpful. It's going to be uh, help them have success. Uh, but like we learned in Sunday school class, uh, an, the, an, what angels do, they have two purposes. They have, uh, and I think what, more often than not, they're used as messengers. They deliver God's message, like a specific message, to God's people. What the message that they don't deliver, which is the message that we've been tasked with, is to share the gospel. Angels don't do that. They don't share the gospel and, and preach uh, repentance and preach God, uh, uh, the love of God to unbelievers. That's what Christians, that's what human believers do. The angels, when they're sent on missions, they have a special uh, message from God that they're to take to, uh, whether it's a, a form of judgment. Uh, if you remember Abraham and Lot, both got angels come to them. And uh, I don't remember exactly what they said to angel, but it was definitely an angel of uh, condemnation that was sent to Lot, right? It said, uh, you better get out of the city or else you know the story, you know what's going to happen. Uh, who, who else were angels sent to? Well, Abraham, not Abraham, I said that, uh, Mary and Joseph, each had their own angel sent to them. The, that angel was not, those angels were not uh, bringing judgment, they were just bringing good news. They were telling you what to expect, what God wants from you, what he expects from you, how to behave, and, and go through this and get, make your way through this, what they were going to think of as a trial, um, and to give them comfort through that. So the angels give messages. Go to, uh, get, go to Daniel chapter uh, 10. Daniel chapter 10. My, my, my kids uh, make fun of me because they say every, every time I preach, there's a reference to Daniel in it. I said, well, that's because I, I usually teach kids. Daniel chapter 10. Uh, and Daniel has a message sent from an angel. Look at verse 12. Uh, verse Verse 11, and he said unto me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy word. So the angel tells D Daniel, you were praying a long time ago, I think, I think it's like three weeks, uh, 20 days that Daniel had, had been praying for a message, and the angel was sent with this message to give to Daniel, but it took him a long time to get there uh, because he was delayed because there was some sort of spiritual battle. Do you remember that, the rest of that story? Um, it goes through a verse, verses five, starting at verse 5 through what we just read. It, that's described. Um, that battle is taking place. So clearly, while there was a messenger angel, okay, there was also, uh, let's say, battling angels. I don't know what they're really called. They probably have a name, but I don't, I'm not a uh, Bible scholar like uh, normal preachers are. So they probably have a name, but you can look it up. You can probably Google it. They'll tell you what they're, what they're called. Uh, but this angel, actually, uh, he references one here, verse 13. 
It says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. I think Michael is seen as one of those angels that's kind of a, a warrior angel. Like he does battle with the, the evil angels in the spiritual realm. But those angels left the spiritual realm and came the spiritual realm, realm spiritual realm and came to uh, face face to face with God's people to send them a message or to bring deliverance. Uh, angels, like I said, very special. They're different. They're uh, I wouldn't say they're better than humans, right? But they have a different and a more special or a unique mission than humans do. Uh, do you remember the story of Balaam and the donkey? Angels have control over animals. Also, I think, well, here in Daniel, we don't have to go to it, Daniel chapter uh, 4 or 6. How did, the, how did the angel help Daniel in Daniel chapter 6? He, 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 Daniel says, uh, my God, protect me by closing, by sending his angel to close the mouths of the lions, right? So the angel did protect Daniel in that way physically and held back the lions. Even the animals obey God. One of my favorite stories, I'm going to go there, Isaiah chapter 37. Uh, go to Isaiah 37, and we'll see how powerful, just how powerful the angels are. Angels 37, angels 37, Isaiah 37. If I make a mistake, just shout at me, okay, and say, no, that's not right, because I do it often. I don't always correct myself, and then afterward people tell, well, you should have told me, you should have told me during the service I made a mistake. Don't wait till later. Uh, Isaiah 37, look at verse 35. Uh, for I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, this is uh, uh, referencing an event that had happened years before. Uh, Jerusalem was under siege, I think, from the Assyrians. And, uh, and the king of Israel all right, was behind the walls of the city, and he prayed to God, repented. And then God, this is what God did for them. Then the angel of the Lord went forth. And smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and threescore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. All right, you remember that story? This, ha this is not the only time that this has happened, where God sends his angel, and the angel comes and uh, rescues his people. All right, he delivers them from the invaders that were trying to conquer Jerusalem. And overnight... Single-handedly, well, I assume single. I don't know how many hands angels have. You might have more than, more than one hand. All right. Is able to, uh, however, 185,000 people don't wake up the next morning because they're killed by this angel. God's people back in the Old Testament, if you go back to uh, Exodus 33, those same people, God's people, had, had they already had experiences with God's angel? They did, right? In the 10th the plague, dealt with one of God's angels. They had all reason in the world to be assured and confident that with the help of this angel that God was going to send to them to help them through the wilderness, to help them into the promised land, they had all the reason in the world to know that this was going to turn out well for them, that they were going to be successful in their endeavors with the help of this angel. Is that how God's people felt? Does anyone know? Look at verse 4. I'm not there. Wait for me. Verse 4. It says, And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. Now, wait a minute. Uh, we just went through what angels do and how powerful they are and how useful they are. And God's people, when they hear that an angel is going to be sent, that God's sending an angel to go with them, 
the first thing they do is says they, they, uh, they said they heard these evil tidings. That, it didn't sound like an evil tiding to me. It sounded like promising and hopeful. God's going to send his angel. It was evil to them. They mourned. It says neither did they put on him his ornaments. Again, I don't know what that means. They didn't put on his ornaments. Uh, what they normally did, I don't know, they put jewelry on or something, and they said, we're not going to wear jewelry because this is so awful. And I don't know if you know, we skipped a verse, but was, it the, was the problem that an angel was being sent with them? The angel was not what was, they were looking for. The angel was, yes, the angel would be very helpful, and I'm sure that the angel would help us to be successful, but there's something better than an angel, and that's what they wanted. They wanted, not an angel, but look at verse 3. It says, we read the first part, God's going to send them unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. So what's missing? Yes, the angel, that's good, but it's not good enough. God says, I'm not going with you. My presence is not going. The angel's going instead of me. Let me read that again. I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And that's why in verse 4, it says, no, an angel wasn't good enough. These people wanted, the Israelites, they recognized God's presence and God's um, God's escorting of them, his protection over them, depended on his presence in their camp. The angel would have been good, but God himself was not going to be present with them. They were not thrilled with that uh, prospect of only having a measly little angel go with them. They wanted the presence of God. Why did, not, why did God refuse to go with them? I, I, I will tell you, um, God changes his mind, or I don't changes his mind, but... Uh, look at verse 14 of Exodus 33. It says, And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And Moses, in verse 15, says back to God, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. So God ultimately ends up going, and his presence going with them. But when they heard in the beginning of that chapter that God's not going with them, that's what they were mourning about. Yes, an angel would have been helpful, but we want God to go with us. Why did God not, why did he call them a stiff-necked people? And tell them, I'm, gonna, I'm not going, you're on your own. The angel will go with you, you'll be successful. I promise that to, to Abraham and Isaac. And all. You're going to have the land, but the angel is going to help you. And I'm going to What was it that caused God to stand back and instead of himself going, send the angel on this mission? You guys anyone know what happens in Exodus 32? You probably do. The golden calf, yeah. I don't need to go into that story, Okay. Uh, I'm sure it's very familiar. But they turned uh, their back on God and they started worshiping this golden calf. Something that was all too familiar for the Israelites. Uh, go to, uh, go back to Exodus 3. Exodus 3. I say flip there, but a lot of people have tablets or whatnot. So they say uh, scroll there. I'm not talking about scroll like this, but. Exodus 3, verse 12. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee, that thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. All right? God's promising to Moses, I will go with you. That was the expectation. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 20.
and verse 1. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots, and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Go to uh, Isaiah 43. And start at verse 2. Oh, it's a familiar passage. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and, and people for thy life. Fear not, for my angel is with thee, and I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. And you're not paying attention. I, I'm reading from a different version. That's my version. It doesn't say that I'll send an angel with thee. He says, I will be with thee. God himself will be with thee. That was his promise to Moses. That was his promise to his people. Uh, and that's his promise to us, that he will be with us. That's what we should be expecting, is God's uh, presence in our life. Well, the Israelites, they were God's people. When he said, I will not go with thee, was he saying, you're not my people anymore? He wasn't, a, he wasn't choosing another uh, nation to be his people. He said, you're still my people, but my presence can't be with you. Uh, if you I don't know if I wrote down the, uh, it's verse 7. He describes how, yeah, the tabernacle, which is the physical place where they knew God would be, he says, that's going to go, but you can, separate it, you can separate it from the camp, set it, set it up way outside the camp. Because my presence ain't going to be in the camp. All right? God had to separate himself from his people because of the condition of their hearts. Because of the sin that they had allowed. Because of their uh, stubbornness. Their stiff-neckedness. Stiff something like that. They rebelled against God. And, and that caused, and I'll, I'll use the word caused, a separation. That's always what happens when we sin. Go to Joshua chapter 7. That's a, these are all Old Testament uh, verses. Just because the Israelites are such a good example of this. I don't, let's see. Okay, we've got a New Testament verse here coming up. Get ready. Uh, Joshua, Joshua chapter 7. And start at verse 11. Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I command them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have, stole, have, and have also stolen and dissembled also that they have put it among, even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except ye destroy this accursed thing. So this is the story of uh, Achan in the city of Ai. Remember Achan took, uh, what do you call it, booty from Ai? And he wasn't supposed to, no one was supposed to. But he was found out, and God said, uh, this camp, I, I can't be with this camp until the sin is taken care of. God says, neither will I be with you. But I like the, the, the phrase that it says there in the middle of verse 12. It says, but turned their backs before their enemies. That means their enemies, who they were supposed to be overpowering, all right, and charging the enemies. Instead, they're going to turn their backs and run for their enemies. Why is that happening? Because the presence of God wasn't helping them. They had become... Not dependent on God, they had become independent of God. They are now depending on themselves, not just on themselves. Uh, go to, uh, well, hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, 
I'd rather go to, a, I had the verse for later, but I want to do it. I'm going to go to it now. Go to Deuteronomy 32. Not they, because they had become not just independent of God, but dependent on something else. Deuteronomy, look at verse 37. And he shall say, where are their gods, their rock, in whom they trusted? Now, God calls himself the rock. God is the rock, but that's not the rock he's talking about here. He's talking about their man-made statues and things, right? Where are their gods, their rock, in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifice and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. I get the, the picture of uh, um, Elisha and the, and the prophets of Baal. Where's your God? Is he going to help you now? These people, even the Israelites, if you want to go worship the golden calf, let the golden calf lead you, right? That's the, they put their dependence on the golden calf. But it's not, I don't know if it's every time, because I haven't studied the Bible that carefully, but every time God talks about having to separate himself from his people, it seems that it's because of idolatry. And what is idolatry? You look at that same chapter that you're in, verse 21, it says, they have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. Well, what is that? Well, it's not God. That's all it comes down to. You're, you, whether it's you, it's a golden calf, uh, it's a job, it's a, a hobby, whatever you're putting your trust in and spending your energy following, it's not God. And that's, all, that's why it says it pretty clearly there. It can be whatever is taking God's place, and that's what causes uh, the separation to happen. Separation is unfortunate, but that's what is necessary. Go to, okay, here it is, Matthew chapter 15. Yay. Verses 8 and 9. Uh, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. You see, these people... It says, they are far from me. The end of verse 8. With their lips, but their heart is far from me. I have a picture when God was speaking to the Israelites. He says, the, the tabernacle is going outside the camp, far away. That looks like God is separating himself. They says, no. Like it's here, it says, Matthew, those people are far from me. They separated themselves from God. They're the ones who put up the barrier. They're the ones who committed the sin. It's their fault it's not God separated. It's, an, it's a natural happening when someone rebels against God and turns away from him. There's a barrier that's, pla that's placed there. There's a, a, a wall of separation that has, if you were to go back to fellowship with God like the Israelites did over and over again, all right, if you want that barrier to, to go down and be taken away so we can fellowship again with God as his children, not like we're not... We're not being like kicked out of the family, like we're not losing our salvation. But if we want to be brought back into fellowship, that wall has to be taken down. What did it say about Achan uh, when you read there in Joshua? It said, I can't be, God said, I cannot be with these people until the, the uh, forsaken thing is taken out of the camp. Well, how does that apply? God is talking about here, Matthew, he's talking about the heart. Their heart is far from me. So what has to be taken out of the heart? It's the rebellion. It's the rebellion of God's people 
which is what separates them. It's the rebellion of God's people that has to be repented of before fellowship can be restored. Go to Ezekiel chapter 14. And verse 5. That I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. They are estranged from me. That makes me think of like a divorce. I know it's not a divorce. They're still his people, all right? But there's, there's no fellowship. There's no communication. Things, the relationship has been broken. And what caused it? Well, they are estranged. They're the ones who walked out. God's people walked out on him by their rebellion, by their disobedience. So how, does that, how is that to be restored? How does that fellowship come back? Because God's people there in Exodus 33... They ended up, uh, like we read, God, God said to Moses, no, I will go with you. And Moses said in verse 15, oh, you're going to go with me or we're not going. Moses demanded it. What did it take for them to come back? Oh, you're in Ezekiel. Good. Verse uh, 6. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, repent. Turn from yourselves. Turn yourselves from your idols. Turn away your faces from all your abominations. Second Chronicles 30. You don't have to turn there. doesn't sound like you are anyways. 2 Chronicles 30 and verse 9. I know you, you're very familiar with these verses, but it doesn't hurt to keep reading them because, uh, okay, me personally, I'm not a, a real intelligent person. I have a short attention span, and I forget things easily. Okay, oh, now I remember this verse, yeah. 2 Chronicles 30 and verse 9. For if you turn again unto the Lord, your brethren, your children, as shall find compassion before them that led them captive. So they shall come again into this land, for the Lord your God is gracious and merciful, and will not turn away his face from you, if ye return unto him. So if you find yourselves like the Israelites, God's people, uh, needing God's presence, I hope you need God's presence, uh, but somehow sin has entered your life, Rebellion has entered your heart, and you find yourself separated from God. Uh, how do you get back to it? Turn away. He, he, if you don't want his face to turn away from you, then you return unto him. That's what it takes. He's not, he's not going to repent of anything. He didn't do anything wrong. It's our responsibility to repent of what has happened and turn back to him. So God's people, though an angel was promised, an angel was going to help them, they weren't on their own, but an angel wasn't what they expected. An angel wasn't good enough. I mean, it was good enough, but it wasn't the best. God, a relationship with God is what we need. A relationship with God uh, makes us unique in God's kingdom. It makes us unique on earth. I, it's a, it seems like it's a small company of people who have a relationship with God today. There's not many of them. God's people, when God, I don't like to say he threatened, but that's what it sounds like. He threatened to not go with them, to withhold his presence. 
they were devastated. They mourned. What happens to us when our fellowship with God is broken? When God convicts us maybe in the service, not this service, but another service maybe, and he says, no, look at that in your life. I can't, I can't be a part of that. How does that make you feel? Do you mourn? Are those evil tidings that you hear? Do you not put on your ornaments? Whatever that means. <clears throat> How does it affect you? Uh, uh, maybe it affects you like, it, I, okay, I'd say it, it affects me. I tend to like, okay, well, yeah, I can deal with that tomorrow. Okay, I can get, make it through one day without, without God's presence. It'll be okay. But that doesn't sound like mourning. That doesn't sound like uh, it's the end of the world. That sounds like I've become hardened, that, that my heart is calloused, that I've depended on me. I, I can, God can help me if he wants to. No. I need to depend on God. I need to surrender my will back to him, away from whatever it is that's drawing me away. It could be a sin. It could be an idol. It, it, it could be a mindset. Whatever pulls me away from God is me separating from him. Like the Israelites, oh yeah, we're going to worship the calf, Moses, and you can go, God can go over there. And then when God says, oh no, no, if that happens, then I'm not going with you. And we're devastated. Uh, I don't want to tell you to be devastated, (laughs) but I'm telling you what I'm guilty of sometimes. God's presence is the most important thing in our lives. And if there's sin in our life and, and it breaks down our fellowship with him, uh, we better repent. We better turn back to him. We better get that right. We better throw out the accursed thing like they did with Achan, uh, lest what happens to Achan ha- happens to us also. God's people mourned at the broken fellowship. Sometimes we don't even notice. And sometimes we don't respond for days or months or years to God's uh, the separation that comes because of the sin in our lives. God's people are holy. They're different. They're set apart. They're unique. And that's what Moses told to God. These people are special. Was that in uh, Exodus 33, 16? These are special people. Don't let this happen in front of all the other peoples of the world. They have a testimony, and that testimony talks about you, God, Our testimony also talks about God. Don't let it break down and destroy your life or your testimony or your your ministry. All right, well, I'll close with prayer, and then I'll turn the service back over to you.